Hello, this is Lore Velasquez. Welcome to my podcast, Disconnect to Connect. I'm the first Latina mindfulness life coach. And in this space, we will be talking about the connection between our minds and bodies and its relationship with our actions and surroundings, aka the planet. Hi, welcome back to Disconnect to Connect. Today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics and I'm going to give you three steps for attracting what you want. Three steps for becoming your mastering constellation. And why do I say mastering constellation? I always tell my clients, in my process, they're going to go from a disconnected dreamer into a mastering constellation. And a constellation, by definition, is a group of stars. But this group of stars also has black holes. And these black holes have a big pull of gravity. What does that represent? It represents all of our attributes, all of our brightness. These are all the stars of the constellations. But we also have shadows. And we cannot let these shadows pull us too strong to gravity so that we cannot shine. Constellations also have very defined boundaries. And we're going to talk about this later. So to get to this step, to get to your mastering constellation, you're going to need these three steps, but you're also going to need to understand the law of attraction. I've based a lot of my method and my three pillars in this specifically, that all thoughts turn into things eventually. This is a very basic but true concept of the law of attraction. It is pretty much the ability to attract into your life whatever you're focusing on. And this word that I'm making a lot of emphasis on is extremely important. What we focus on, what we put our energy into, what we put our energy to, what we use our energy for. So the law of attraction uses the power of the mind for us to be able to code or to translate whatever is in our thoughts. And then it allows us to materialize them into reality. An issue that I encounter very often is that people are trying to practice the law of attraction, but they are not aware of their limiting beliefs. And oftentimes they don't even know they exist. And so I'm going to take time to explain to you before we get into the three steps, what are limiting beliefs? These beliefs, these thoughts are usually formed when we're kids. So they are created when we are between zero to seven years old. And that is an approximation. But in the majority, this is the time frame when we create this. Now, what we need to understand is that from zero to seven years old, we are kids. And we have a very immature brain, a very ignorant brain in the positive sense, in the, in the sense that it is trying to understand the world in the sense that it is getting to understand their surroundings, people, behaviors, thoughts, etc. And in this process of exploration, it's when these ideas are formed. Now, the thing with these ideas is that they are very well grounded very deeply into our brains. And as we grow, these beliefs will influence more and more our perspective to see things as we believe they are. This is the mind helping us affirm our belief system. But going back to what I had said, we create these thoughts that are limiting when we are kids, when we have an immature brain. So I'm going to give you an example that I tend to give my clients on one of my first meetings with them. 
if a mom wakes up a kid to go to school and right after she wakes up the kid, she goes and walks the dog, then comes back home to have breakfast with, with the kid, the kid could easily assume that he or she is not the priority of the mom, that maybe the dog is more important and she'd rather spend time with the dog first thing in the morning. When in the mom's brain, it could actually mean that she wants to allow her kid to have more time to get up, to get ready, and to then actually enjoy breakfast with her kid. But in the kid's mind and brain, it wasn't able to understand that, and that just created a limiting belief. Then as you grow up, the kid may be sick and need of the mom, but then the grandma may have fallen or something could have happened, which requires a more extensive help of the mom. So then the mom will go and help this person or a situation, whatever it is. And this specific situation will reaffirm the kid's limiting belief, which now may be a teenager or even an adult, that she or he is not the mom's priority. As stated before, this was by no means the mom's intention. It was actually the opposite. It was to give the kid space and to give the kid time. But again, in a very immature and childlike brain, these beliefs are done. And these beliefs carry out with us for the rest of our lives. These beliefs are part of our whole life. They are in a very wide range of aspects. They are in our interpersonal relationships. They are in our intrapersonal relationships. They are in our relationship with work, in our relationship with lovers, in our relationship with money, in our relationship with luxury, with traveling, with self-love, with resting. They are in every aspect of our lives. And I will soon tell you how to recognize these limiting beliefs. But before that, it is also very important for you to understand how our mind works beyond just this first aspect of limiting beliefs. Once we form limiting beliefs and they've been reaffirmed constantly, they tend to make that our comfort zone. So when we actively decide to step out of that comfort zone and change the way we think about certain things, our brain will think that we are putting ourselves at risk. Our brain will want us to go back to that safe place, to that safe area. And what is constantly fighting to bring us back to this quote-unquote safe area is what is known as a lizard. This is a term used by Seth Godin, and my business coach Isa uses it too quite often. This is the part of the brain that will want us to remain in this same place forever that will not allow us to truly advance because it wants us to stay in the comfort zone. But life doesn't happen in the comfort zone. Life happens outside of the comfort zone. Opportunities happen outside of the comfort zone. We make those things happen by having aligned actions. Now, the name of this, the lizard mind, is very self-explanatory. Whenever we see a lizard, it usually wants to go back crawling and quickly to wherever it came from. This part is actually in our brain, in our amygdala. And this is the part of the brain that allows us to feel scared, selfish, hungry, and horny. These are four true characteristics of the lizard brain that are engraved in the amygdala. 
On top of the amygdala, we have the limbic system and the neocortex. And these two are the parts. So the first one is the part that allows us to feel that we can share and allows us to feel connection and allows us to feel loyal. And then on top of it is a part that allows us to challenge things, where we want to challenge ourselves, when we want to break paradigms, when we want to break the status quo, when we want to break traditions. And this is where we are the majority of the time, but we're just there thinking. Whenever we have to carry out actions, that is when we go right back straight to the amygdala. We go right back to the lizard mind. A very common mistake is that people tend to think that we need to be more creative, but what we actually need is a quieter lizard brain, a quieter lizard mind. Whenever we have already carried out the thoughts and then we want to take the actions and we go back to the lizard brain, resistance shows up. And the closer we are to carrying out our actions and to carrying out the final results, the higher and the stronger the resistance will be. This is when we start having a bigger list with better excuses to not finish, to not get to the finish line and to not get to the other side. And the truth is that the grass is greener where you pour it. The grass is greener where you'll water it. And if you're trying to water it on the other side, but you're not allowing yourself to get to the other side because the resistance is so big that suddenly all of these excuses became more important than the final result than your mission, then you're going to stay in the same place and not go farther, not get closer to your mission, not get closer to your true self. To illustrate this, Seth Godin has an amazing example. He gives the example of two balloons. You have a regular one, which is easy to blow, and you have the string looking like balloon. And this one is usually harder to blow, especially on the first breaths. But if you put your effort and your mind and energy into those first two blows, then it is actually on the third one is actually going to blow really easily. It's the same with life. Momentum is a true thing. Momentum is real. Whenever you've aligned those first actions and those first thoughts, and they are 100% aligned with who you are, then the rest will go by inertia, by momentum, and you'll reach what you're looking for. You will attract what you're looking for. So decide what you want to put those first two breaths on. Decide what you spend your energy on. I truly believe that if you're listening to this podcast, is because you already know that you're not wasting time. Oftentimes, it is a mistake to think that we cannot stop, that we should not stop, that we got to keep working, working, and working, and that more work will come. But it won't be productive. It won't come from a good place. It will only come from strategic energy and not creative energy, and it will eventually lose its momentum. So if you're here, if you're listening to this podcast, I know that you're aware that this is an investment in your time. And I also know that it is not just your responsibility, but it is your obligation to carry out these steps because the world needs more people that are aligned. The world needs more people that are carrying out actions to better our planet, to better ourselves, to better our future. So it is your obligation today to listen to the steps and to put them into practice and go back and figure out how you're going to 
get to your mission, how you're going to get in touch with your true self. You are going to figure out how you're going to do what you came to this world to do. And that is so powerful. You're going to do justice to your potential. Now, with having all of this understanding, I'm going to go into my first step, which is understanding and recognizing your limiting beliefs. I'm going to give you a series of steps that you can do to figuring them out and to letting go of them. So first, you're going to pick two topics that you want to clear limiting beliefs around. Once you figure out those two topics, which can be about personal relationships, about jobs, about money, about resting, about luxury, they can be really about anything. Your next step will be to write down a list of all the limiting beliefs you have around each topic. For example, if you're picking about resting, then limiting beliefs could be something like, if I rest, I lose my time. If I'm rest, I'm not being productive enough. If your limiting beliefs are around love, they could be something like, all the good ones are already taken. What if I'm settling? I am not good enough. I am not worthy of love. Maybe if they're about money, it can be something like taxes are the worst enemy. You're always going to run out of money. Save a penny, earn a penny. Or there is never enough. There's not enough money for everyone in the world. Going into mindfulness specifically, it can be that there is not such state. Or I cannot meditate. Meditation is not for me. Mindfulness is not real. I can do it on my own. A self-help book is enough. But in reality, all of these things are limiting ourselves. They feel very scarce. They feel very short. They feel tiny and limiting as the word says it. The third step is to thank these beliefs for how they have protected you. And this can sound a bit counterproductive. But the reality is that all along, all these beliefs... All these beliefs we're trying to do was to protect you and to keep you in a safe space and in a safe environment. And this will allow you to go into the fourth step, which is to thank all the other people that helped you form these beliefs. Because again, all these people, all they were trying to do was to protect you. And so we have to thank them so that we can slowly let go. You can do this By writing, it is a very, very powerful tool to grab your journal in the same list and below that list, you're going to thank each person and each belief for trying to protect you. Once you have thanked the beliefs and thank the people, you're going to forgive yourself and forgive others for all the different beliefs you have developed, for all the different beliefs you have attracted. And you're going to write a letter to yourself and you're going to write a letter to these people, forgiving them. And they do not need to read this letter. This is not part of the steps. This is not part of the process I've created. The only essential part is that you write it and that you write it knowing that they are not going to read this. You're just letting go from yourself. You're letting go from within. This is a very strong and powerful step for deattaching from these limiting beliefs. It is crucial. The next one, 
will be to give yourself permission to let go of that belief. You're going to allow yourself. You're going to tell yourself out loud. You're going to write it down as well for each belief. I let go of this. I let go of that. And then you're finally going to close your eyes and you're going to try to picture yourself giving each person the letter, giving yourself that letter. And you're going to picture yourself farther and all of these limiting beliefs going away. You're going to picture these limiting beliefs going away into a river, being taken away, and you're going to inhale this new and lighter energy. You're most likely going to feel this lighter energy. You're going to try to stay with it for a little bit, breathing in and breathing out. With this done, now we're going into the second big step. And this one is empowering thoughts and affirmations. So you're going to go back to your list. And right next to each limiting belief, you're going to write an empowering belief, an empowering thought, an empowering affirmation. An empowering affirmation could be resting brings me closer to success. In the step-by-step are my answers. If you go back to the love example, an empowering affirmation would be something like, I am my first and most important love. When I love myself, love will come to me by inertia. The more I love myself and the more I respect myself and the more others will respect myself. If we talk about money, instead of thinking that there's not enough money, an empowering affirmation could be money is energy and there is energy for each person in the planet. Affirmations in a glimpse are words and phrases that will replace our limiting beliefs and will allow us to reprogram our brain from the limiting beliefs. Now, this is very important to understand. Whenever we have our limiting beliefs, they are formed through neuronal pathways that are very strong at this point in our lives. So that means that we're going to have more resistance, but that also means that we're going to have a better outcome. So we need to First, break these neuronal pathways. Then we're going to replace them. And this is with the second step. We're going to replace them with empowering affirmations. And then we're going to finish by establishing them. And that will go into our third step. There is a part of our brain that is called the ascending reticular activating system, also known as the ARIS. And from here on in the podcast, I'm going to call it the ARIS. The ARIS is very similar to what one of my mindfulness coaches likes to call the confirmation bias. And guess where the ARIS is located? It is in the limbic system, the part of the brain that I had touched on before. So the ARIS has this function that it will reconfirm each of our limiting beliefs. And it also has the function of picking up patterns and showing those things more. For example, whenever I was younger, I would always see 1111 everywhere in the microwave, on my phone, on the TV, on someone's watch. I would see it everywhere. And that is simply because I had seen it. And the more I had seen it, then my ARES had picked up on it. And it unconsciously is working to show me those things, for me to pick up on those things, for me to look at them more often. So if we shift our focus 
into empowering affirmations, we can shift the focus of the Aries. We can shift the focus on our brain and we can shift this consciously and subconsciously. Imagine a life where your Aries is constantly focusing on positive things, is constantly focusing on a better perspective and a better mindset. You have the power of doing that and this is amazing. I have personally experienced this change in mindset. When I was in college, one of my best friends suggested for us to have a gratitude group text and we would message each other each night saying what we were grateful for that day. Eventually, we caught ourselves messaging each other not only during the night, but also during the day. And we also caught ourselves being more grateful in general. As the day went by, we would think, wow, this is something that I'm so grateful for, or wow, I cannot wait until I share this with the girls. And you would realize that you were grateful about many things about the big things and about the small things, about the very deep things and about also the superficial things. And that is good. We should be grateful about many things, not only deep and sophisticated things, but we should be grateful about all the little details, even about what not feels right. Because something's shaking us, something's taking us out of our comfort zone, which is exactly why we're listening to this podcast. So we should be able to switch perspectives and thank these things too. As a result, gratitude is something that I always incorporate into my clients' morning routine, night routine, day-to-day life, journal prompts. This is something that we practice all the time. Gratitude is extremely important and it will help you in endless ways to switch the way that you approach life. And today I can tell you that this is one of the most valuable things I actually learned in college. Not exactly related to biology, not exactly related to pre-med, but it is an incredibly powerful life tool, an incredibly powerful and valuable life strategy. And I cannot just keep it to myself. This is something that I'm constantly trying to share, not just with my but also with friends. And this is why I am telling you today that gratitude is something that needs to be practiced. If we constantly remind ourselves that the mind is a muscle and we can train it like a muscle, then we can use our errors in a very positive way. We can use our confirmation bias in a positive way. You see, this part of the brain will influence our perspective to see things as we believe they are. This part of the brain is the mind helping us affirm our belief system, affirming and telling us what we think something should mean, should be. And this is all through perspective. But what if we gain a true perspective of life? What if we gain a positive perspective of life? What if we gain a grateful perspective of life. And here comes another point that I like to bring out to light. By nature, we're social creatures. Naturally, we want to conform society. It's part of our survival mechanism to work within groups. But you do not come to the world to conform society. You did did not come to the world to conform, to be complacent. You came to the world for a reason. You came to the world to fulfill your needs to fulfill someone else's needs, to do something big, 
with your small steps, you're doing something big every day. And with this belonging comes a lot of comparison, especially nowadays with so much social media. Comparison can come through that or by stats, by the way we look, by comparing ourselves to other people in our careers or in our same socioeconomic group. But comparison will only push you away from following your purpose in life. You have to be mindful of your influences and how you relate to others. You have to be mindful of what you allow to influence you. You have to be mindful of what you consume. And this I always talk about. Be mindful of the people you follow on social media. Be mindful of the people that you go out and get coffee with. Be mindful of the people that you have conversations with. Be mindful of the people that you get advice from or that you even seek advice from. You have to allow yourself to be mindful and you have to allow yourself to gain power over your decisions. And with that same power, you can choose to feel more positive emotions than negative emotions. And I'm going to explain to you how all of this works. Any experience will create an emotional reaction on your body, which you can feel. If it is positive, you will have a positive reaction. If it is negative, you will have a negative reaction. You see, the brain is like a chemical factory. We have plenty of unconscious limiting beliefs. For example, sometimes we are doing something that we actually enjoy, but for some reason, we get a negative feeling because our brain is processing it as if it is something that we don't like. This often happens when this is ruled by tradition or ruled by society as something that we should not be doing or as something that your gender should not be doing or enjoying. But this can be changed by switching our thought patterns and belief, by switching your limiting beliefs into empowering affirmations. Now, where do all of this come from? Now, where are all of these thoughts coming from? Your unconscious mind and senses are constantly picking up cues automatically from outside things. It can be someone's body language, a noise, a smell, among many other things. And most of the time, it is not the situation causing the emotional reaction, but it is your interpretation that causes the emotional reaction. But you do have control over your thoughts. Multiple cognitive behavioral therapy studies have demonstrated that you do, that humans have control over their thoughts. And we're doing the steps to put them in the right direction. You're recognizing the emotion. You're recognizing the thought. You're identifying it. You're changing it and replacing it by empowering affirmations. And you will finish it with the last step. This last step is doing aligned actions. Actions that are 110% aligned with your true self, with who you are and with your goals. Not 90%, 110%. You see, a positive life is built by two things, habits and boundaries. And I'm going to give you tips to have both of these things very well structured and applied into your everyday life so that you can have a positive lifestyle. A positive lifestyle that naturally, organically, and by inertia will attract many other positive things into your life. will attract all of what you're looking for and hoping and even better.
My first tip is start saying no. Saying no is so incredibly empowering. I cannot say this enough. It is extremely, extremely empowering. No usually has a negative correlation, but it should not. Usually saying no is tied with being honest, and honesty is something positive. Keep this quote in your mind. If it's not a hell yes, then it is a hell no. And that's how it should feel. As I said before, 110% aligned, not 90% aligned. This year, I passed by a huge opportunity to work with a very big brand who had wonderful clothes and a wonderful partnership deal. But I didn't doubt it a second. I said no immediately because that brand doesn't have the values that I live by. That wouldn't have been practicing what you preach. That brand has sweatshops. That brand is neither socially or environmentally responsible. And I said no. And I said no, knowing why, smiling, politely, honestly. And I also told them that I hoped that this would inspire them to have a more responsible brand. From that action and decision of saying no to something that wasn't completely aligned with myself, a lot of more opportunities came to me. A lot of more meaningful and brands gave me the opportunity to work together. Usually, when you say no to things that are not aligned with yourself, the universe will take care of you and you will have many other things that you want to scream yes to, not say yes, but scream yes to, that you want to run saying yes to and hog those things. Those are the kind of things that will start coming to you. My second tip is to enjoy the process, enjoy the journey. This is a time that you're like dating yourself. Usually in the dating process, you go out to dinner, you're getting to know the person, you're asking all these interesting questions, getting to know about things that are important to you. You're doing the same. You're getting to know yourself. You're getting to know your habits. You're getting to know what you wish to keep, what you wish to change, what you wish to do better. You're getting to know your flaws. You're getting to know how you feel about certain things what makes you have positive reactions, what makes you not have positive reactions. Enjoy the process of dating yourself. Remember that it is a beautiful process. The process is beautiful. The process is wonderful. In the process, in the step-by-step -step is where you will find the majority of the answers that you're looking for. And we tend to think of mindfulness as a destination but mindfulness is not an end goal, it's not a destination. Mindfulness is a journey, is a lifestyle, is a day-to-day -day work. I still struggle with things. I still sometimes check my phone first thing in the morning. It's an ongoing process. My third tip would be to not think of the process as a battle. The process is a journey. The process is a ladder. It's a step-by-step the process is like a chart. It's going to have ups and downs that are always going much higher, not going back to the first step. And sometimes it might feel like that, but it is not. My fifth tip is to replace I have to's and I need to's with I'd like to and I want to. For example, work. Why are we saying I have to work? I need to work. And right now you may be thinking, but yeah, I need to work. That's how I pay rent. That's how I 
provide for my family. That's how I, that's the only way that I can travel. That's the only way that I can afford X, Y, and Z. But the reality is that if you're listening to this podcast, the probabilities of work being a life or death matter are very slim. And so you are compromised with that. You decided to work and you like to work because if you don't work, you don't get X, Y, and Z. You like to work because you like to provide for your family. You'd like to work because you like traveling. You'd like to work because you like having a place to live. You'd like to work because you like nourishing yourself. And the energy around it will change so much. If you say, I want to work, I'd like to work, the way you will perceive it consciously and unconsciously will have a huge difference. And my sixth tip is pay attention to the way that you act toward yourself. And this can be the way you speak to yourself, the way you speak about yourself, the way you eat. All of these things will carry out vibrations. The way you talk to yourself will make you feel that way. Even if you say to a friend, oh, I'm an idiot, subconsciously, that will start engraving in your brain. And that is not something that we want. That is not something that you want. Talk about yourself highly, proudly, and at the same time, be humble about it. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of what you have overcome. Be proud of what you will achieve. There is a big difference between saying, no, I didn't get the grade I wanted versus I didn't get the grade I wanted this time, but I'm learning how to study better and I'm excited for the next test because I will do much better now that I know what works better with me, what works better for me. The energy around it is completely different. Same happens with eating, for example. If you're trying to eat healthier and before you see your plate or as you're preparing it, you look at it and you're thinking, yuck, this is not what I like, this is not what I want, or I don't like the way this tastes or this smells, your body's already having a negative reaction to it already, even before you start eating. All the chemicals in your brain are already acting around that thought. As a result, your body will not take that food the way that you want it, even if it's the healthiest plate that you could think of. It will not have the result that you're hoping for because of the way that you're thinking about it. To wrap this up, I'd like to remind you a few things. The first one is that when you align one area of your life by inertia, the rest will start aligning. The other areas of your life will start aligning. When you put one piece of the puzzle together, by momentum, the rest of the pieces will start being put together. And more often than not, this will happen in a better way than you were even imagining. The universe, God, the sun, the planet, whatever it is that you like to think about, it will help you take care of it. It will help you with the, carry out the momentum and have the results that you were hoping for. And again, even better. The second thing to remember is to not judge your emotions. Observe your emotions instead of judging them. Observe how you're feeling. Try to understand why you're feeling it and let go of that emotion. The third thing is that actions carry out vibrations. Thus, actions will bring more actions. And if you want more positive actions, then you will want to vibrate for love, for light, for abundance, for happiness, and for gratitude. And the last one is to embrace 
everything. Embrace who you are, embrace how you feel, embrace your vulnerability, embrace the limiting beliefs that you have let go of, and embrace even harder the empowering affirmations that you're constantly telling yourself. And finish by embracing even harder the aligned actions that you're taking. Emotions must match your thoughts. If you say, I'm really excited about something, but in reality you are not, what will bring energy into the world is not your thought, but rather the emotion around it. So embrace who you are and embrace your inner world. Disconnect from the outer world to connect with yourself. Disconnect to connect. Connect with your roots. Connect with what you're letting go. And more importantly, connect with the space that you're creating to bring all of what you want into your life. This is Lorde. Talk to you soon. Breathe in all of that good energy and breathe out all of what's blocking you. Until next time.